Thank you for listening to this message from Southridge Community Church, located in Clinton, New Jersey. We hope God speaks to you through this message today and that you find new ways to apply His Word to your life. Additional messages and more information can be found on southridgecc.org. So let's get started. Well, as I mentioned, we're going to be tracing the Lamb from the Old Testament in Exodus through the Gospels, then finishing in Revelation. The kind of root passage for Jesus being the Lamb goes all the way back to the book of Exodus. If you remember, we said when we went into Revelation that a number of the judgments that you find in Revelation mirror the plagues that were sent on the people of Egypt for holding the people of Israel in bondage. Incidentally, interestingly enough, there were also 10 plagues. We saw in Revelation 10 was often a number of, of expansiveness. And so it was the 10th plague that God said he would bring judgment and an ultimate reminder that he was king of kings and lord of lords, that none of the gods that the Egyptians worshipped or Pharaoh himself somehow superseded the power of God. And so the firstborn in every home and even of animals, their lives were going to be taken as a reminder that Jesus, that God was king. But the means to be protected from that judgment was for the people of Israel to take a step of faith. That step of faith was demonstrated by them applying the blood of a killed lamb to the side posts and across the top of their doorways. And when that would happen, God would understand that as an expression of their faith in him And death would not touch that household. In Revelation chapter 6, we looked at the idea of God's people being sealed. And there's a connection between the idea of God's people being sealed. They belong to him with the same protection that was given to those who put the blood on the side posts and across the top of their doorways. So there's kind of a parallel there. I'm going to mostly read some verses from Exodus chapter 12. I'll focus in on certain things, and we'll walk through this together. These are the instructions that God gave to the people of Israel as they were going to slay a lamb to put the blood on the doorway. The Lord said to Moses, this is Exodus chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Quick little time out already. Notice that Israel's whole calendar year 
begins with the event of a slain lamb. Their calendar year was based on the fact of this event that acknowledged the protection that God would give them. And so the whole calendar year was based on what we're about to read. It wasn't based on some other event. It was based on their release from the bondage of sin. This, this event was to permeate literally every day of the 12 months of every year. It literally began their calendar year for them. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day, once again, it's interesting, it's the 10th plague, it's the 10th day. Remember, we said multiple times in Revelation, 144,000, uh, 10 times 10 times 12 times 12. 1,000 years, 10 times 10 times 10. So it's the 10th day of each of this month. Each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor. Interestingly, kind of a, a built-in sense of doing this in community, household to household. Having taken into account the number of people there are, you are determined the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, without blemish. Keep that in mind. A spotless lamb without blemish, without defect. And you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month. Interesting. So just imagine this with me, if you will. Your family is to take care of a lamb from the day 10 to day 14. And during that time, there's certainly going to be a sense of connection and love for that lamb. When that lamb is killed, you're going to sense sort of deep connection and preciousness. All of that is being cultivated and woven into the fabric of this whole event. When all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Verse 7. Again, Exodus 12. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they're to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs. The reason they were to have it with bitter herbs is because that was a picture of the bitterness of their bondage. It was a pictureness of the bitterness of being held in slavery. Again, you can begin to hear the origination of the ripples 
of the bitterness of sin slavery. So they roast the lamb, eat it with bitter herbs. Because we have a very visceral God. We'll celebrate communion in a while. We have a visceral God. So he wants them to taste the bitterness of the herbs. Because it's going to represent the bitterness of their bondage. And And bread made without yeast. So lamb, bitter herbs, and bread without yeast. We won't go into that too much, but the idea is... It was without yeast because it portrayed them doing this in haste. Had a picture of of readiness, of eagerness to be released from bondage in Egypt. Verse 12. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment, listen to this, on all the gods of Egypt. Yes, there was judgment on people. But the first thing that God mentions judgment on is actually judgment on the false gods of Egypt. Because that's primarily the source of all of our bondage. It's our false gods. It's our idolatry. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, listen to this, I will pass over you. I love it when things are simplistic. Like I love it when they have a name that sort of designate what it actually is. I will pass over over you when I see the blood on the side posts and across the tops. That's why we call it Passover. Because when God saw their act of faith, when God saw the blood as a demonstration of their trust in him, when he saw that faith, not because they were good, but because they had faith that somehow the sign was what God instructed them to do. God would pass over them in judgment. It's Passover. Again, you can hear the beginnings of the ripplings of what we're about to hear later on. A few more verses. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families. And slaughter, listen to this, the Passover lamb. And so the lamb is called the Passover lamb because it's the lamb that causes the judgment of God to pass over them. Take a bunch of hyssop, kind of a very branchy plant that was often used kind of as a, a paintbrush. Dip it into the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on top and on both sides of the doorframe. Again, that's the idea of marking. The day of marking through faith. None of you shall go out of the door or of your house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe and will pass over that doorway 
and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and to strike you down. He would pass over the home when the blood is on the top and on the sides because it was their demonstration of their faith in the Almighty God. Your team is going to come out and lead us in the song, How Deep the Father's Love. Listen, friends, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, God's love is deep. God's love is reaching. God's love desires to bring the solution for our bondage. God's love deals with the bitterness of slavery and bondage. To the people of Israel in Egypt and ultimately to us, and our sin. We're here tonight because the Father's love runs deep. So let's stand and sing this song together.
instituted by God to when Jesus came. And during those 1,400 years, the Israelites continued to celebrate Passover. And they continued year after year for each household to bring a lamb. They brought a lamb to the temple to be sacrificed, to remember being freed from slavery, to remember the blood of the lamb that was put on the doorpost so the judgment of God would pass over. As a matter of fact, one of the first things that was said at the beginning of Jesus' three-year ministry was, look, the Lamb of God. Jesus' cousin John, who was baptizing by the Jordan River, pointed at Jesus and said, look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And I just imagine people standing by and saying to themselves, what was, what was that supposed to mean? And it would take years after Jesus' death and resurrection, reflecting back, on John's word, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world to understand their full meaning. But ancient people hearing, look, the Lamb of God, surely said to themselves, this man in some way points to the Passover Lamb. And so we see throughout the New Testament, the writers reflecting on the meaning of Jesus, our Passover Lamb. And as the followers of Jesus looked back on his death and resurrection, they began to see with increasingly clear eyes how the Passover had always pointed to Jesus. John tells us, Gospel writer John, that Jesus was condemned to death at about noon on Friday. Uh, Friday was called the Day of Preparation. Let me just sketch you a picture of what happened on the Day of Preparation. On the day of preparation, at the exact hour that Jesus was being sentenced to death and then being sent outside the city to be crucified, this is what was happening in the temple. People were streaming into the Jerusalem temple, each household bringing a lamb to be sacrificed. There were thousands of people in the Jerusalem temple and thousands of priests on duty to perform the sacrifice of taking the life of a lamb On behalf of each family. With a blast of the shofar, the services would have begun. Now take a look at the picture on the screen, and I'll kind of tell you an interesting little something. You see, there's a there's actually a big court that surrounds the outside of the temple. See if this works. There it is. There's actually a court that surrounds the outside of the temple. This was called the court of the Gentiles. This part right in the in the center here. It was called the court of Israel or the inner court. The court of the Gentiles was a court that anyone was allowed in, Jew or Gentile, but only Israelites in the inner court. There were so many people that came for sacrifices on the day of preparation. There wasn't enough room in the inner court. They actually had to perform the sacrifices 
uh, out in the court of the Gentiles so that there was enough space to get all of those sacrifices done. Take a look at the next picture. What they actually did was dozens and dozens of priests lined up. And as each lamb was killed, they had a golden bowl. And the uh, blood of the lamb was spilled into the bowl. And it was passed down the line of priests. Uh, Take a look at the next picture. Where it ended up was it went into the inner court to the altar. The last priest who was standing in front of the altar actually threw the blood against the base of the altar, representing that this blood was being exchanged. This blood was being given for the life of the person offering the sacrifice. The lamb's life was given in exchange for that person. And as blood after blood after blood was emptied out of these bowls, uh, it spilled onto the pristine temple floor, and the floor began to be stained with pools of blood. While the sacrifice was being offered, the Levites sang what was called the Hallel. The Hallel. Um, We often sing in worship songs, we sing the word Hallelujah. What's that mean? What's hallelujah mean? It means praise Yahweh. Praise God. Hallel means praise. And then Yah is short for Yahweh. So the Hallel was the praise. What it specifically was, was the Levites would chant Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. They would chant that while the sacrifice was being given. Let me read you just a few scriptures that were chanted on the day of preparation as Jesus gave up his life outside the city gates. Among the scriptures that were chanted was Psalm 116, 3-6, proclaiming the saving hand of the Lord. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. So the priests were proclaiming the salvation of the Lord as the lambs were being slaughtered. Another scripture that would have been chanted that day is Psalm 118, verses 22 to 24, proclaiming the rejection but the ultimate victory of the Messiah. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. After the Hallel was chanted, the lamb that was slain was taken by the priests. It was skinned, and it was hung up on a hook. Take a look at the next picture. And its arms were stretched out. It was hung up, and its arms were stretched out. Uh, Next picture. The very next thing that would happen is the the priests or the family would take it, and they would take two wooden spits, one very long and one very short, and they would insert one vertically through the slain lamb and the other one horizontally, very much like the shape of a small Roman cross. They would then take the lamb and either roast it in special clay ovens there in the temple or Israelites would take them to their homes and roast them like in this illustration over a fire. Now years went by after Jesus' death and resurrection and followers of Jesus increasingly looked back on these events 
And they, they looked with amazement about how God had always been revealing the meaning of the death of Christ. The lamb who was to be slain. The ultimate atoning sacrifice for the sin of the world. At the very hour that thousands of people were streaming into the temple and Israelites were offering sacrifices in the court of the Gentiles, Jesus was outside the city gates dying on the cross so that not just Israelites, but the sins of the world, all nations, all tribes, all tongues could be accomplished so that people of all nations, could, the doors could be thrown wide open and they could come into relationship with him. At the very hour that the priests were throwing the blood against the base of the altar, Jesus' blood stained the wood of the altar of the cross, and it ran down, and it created a pool on the ground so that you and me and this whole creation could become the temple of God. At the very hour that the Levites chanted the Hallel, these beautiful verses proclaiming the salvation of God and the victory of the Messiah. Jesus hung on the cross to accomplish salvation for sinners and to accomplish the very victory that they were chanting about. At the very hour that the Passover lamb, Jesus, the Passover lamb, was stretched out outside the gates of Jerusalem and he was lifted up. At the very hour the lambs were being hung up on small wooden crosses. At that very hour, Jesus was being stretched out on a Roman cross so that as all people believed on him, they could see, receive eternal life. So the Passover lamb truly points to Jesus, and Jesus truly and powerfully points to the deep grace of God, God's pursuing grace for you and for me. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up to the stage. When we see grace like this, deep grace, selfless, pursuing grace like displayed in the cross, the only fitting response is awe, wonder, surrender. We're going to stand and we're going to sing a song of awe and surrender. So join me in responding in song.
We're going to have our team do a song. We just want that song to wash over you. It's a song that talks about the land. We highlighted the roots of that in Exodus 12. The blood, the sides of the door across the top as a symbol of people's faith in God 
to be released from judgment, the bondage of Egypt. On Thursday evening, when Jesus was with his disciples in the upper room, they were literally eating the Passover meal. So the Passover meal is where Jesus breaks the bread, distributes the cup of his blood. On Friday, when he's crucified, as Jeremy mentions, it's a day of preparation for the Sabbath. Lambs are killed. Jesus dies at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, this afternoon, Friday. Fast forward to Revelation. Let me just read some of these verses from Revelation before our team presents this song. Then I saw a lamb. Takes some significance, doesn't it? Kind of suddenly you have this massive perspective when John says, then I saw a lamb. The roots of this go way deep. Exodus 12. Day of preparation. Looking as if it had been slain. Standing not beside the throne. Standing at the center. Uh, Where is it? The center. The center of the throne. Encircled by the four living creatures. Remember that represent north, south, east, and west. All of God's creation. Get a picture of this, friends. The lamb is at the center of the throne. There's four living creatures literally portraying north, south, east, west, all of God's creation. The lamb had seven horns, picturing fullness of strength. Seven eyes, picturing fullness of omnipresence, wisdom, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp. And they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayer of God's people. Remember, we looked at Revelation 5 and 6, and we looked at the idea of, in Revelation uh, 4, there's a song. And in Revelation 5, there's a new song. The first song is the song of creation. The second song is a song of redemption. So verse 9 of Revelation 5, and they sang a new song. 
a song of redemption, a song of salvation, saying, you are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nations. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Worthy is the Lamb. that started in Exodus 12. It was an act of faith that brought release from the bondage of Egypt that continued with Jesus being slain at Passover as the lamb for his blood to purchase our release from the bondage of sin and darkness so that we can be with him for all eternity and reign forever and ever. Worthy is the Lamb. Listen as this, as our team presents this song.
take communion communion 
is a name for the time that we're about to experience next. The name is important because taking a broken wafer, drinking a cup of juice is literally that which enables us to commune with God. Jesus' death on a cross is payment for evil, our darkness, our sin. So that we are released from the bitterness of bondage to our darkness and brought in to communion with our Creator. The way that we do communion at Southridge, we don't require you to be a member of our church. We simply ask that you do this as an expression of having personally embraced Jesus as your Savior. That you've personally received his forgiveness through his broken body and shed blood. This is new to you. Maybe it's the first time for you to simply receive Jesus' payment for your sin and participate with us. If you'd rather just not participate and hang out and relax, pray, meditate, certainly encourage you to do that. You're welcome to do that. Thankful for those joining us online. If you want to participate at home with some elements, you're more than welcome to do that. We do this as those who are purchased by Jesus' blood, his broken body. So when I release you, you can take a cup of juice, a wafer back to your seat, and then we'll take it together. If you're more comfortable, there's some prepackaged elements that are there as well. All the elements are gluten-free if anybody has um, concerns about that. So as different ones go, let's maintain a spirit of reflection and meditation on the slain lamb. Or at least this section over here and this section, you can get up and go to the one of the stations in the aisles up here. And it's usually more room up in the front. You may want to come to the front balcony. You guys can go. There's a station over here to the left corner of the balcony. Now take a cup of juice away for back to your seat.
the other sections can go. I'm going to read some scripture to you from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 5 through 7. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. When Passover night, as Jesus is gathered with his disciples in the upper room, he commemorates Passover with them knowing that in a short 12 hours he will be 
the lamb who's slain. He will be the one who's stretched out on the cross. It will be his blood, his broken body that brings forgiveness. So he says this, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Before we take these elements, feel free to keep your eyes open. Let's pray together. Feel free to look at the elements in your fingers. Feel free to look at the cross behind me. God, we gather here on this Good Friday commemorating that the lamb was slain, that his blood was shed for us. That through Jesus we are released from bondage. We're set free from our sin. We thank you that you came to be the ultimate sacrifice. We gather here this evening to say that you're worthy. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Let's eat the bread and drink the cup together. stand together for our final song. Oh, yeah, man.
chapter divisions of the Bible were put in place much later than it was written but it is just fascinating to me that Jesus is referenced as the lamb seven times in the final two chapters that talk about the new creation in other words get this 
25%, a quarter of the occurrences of Jesus being referred to as a lamb occur in just 9% of the book. So you come to the last two chapters of Revelation about the new creation. Jesus is referred to as the lamb with a higher level of concentration than anywhere else in the book. And the verses we're going to look at this weekend on Saturday and Sunday are Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5. And it's referred to twice as the Lamb. So thank you for being with us on Good Friday. We have an Easter service tomorrow at 4 o'clock, 2 on Sunday. It's Good Friday, but Easter's coming. Amen. Amen.